THN is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter. Hacha! Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat in Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 513 of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast. It's the first show of the new year, nerds. My name is Matt Baum. And I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick in this first episode of the new year, which is something Matt just said. It's true. We'll be playing some catch-up and reviewing comics from the first two weeks of 2019. Then it's down to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we'll discuss our must-read picks for next Wednesday, and finally... Our very own Wooly Toots premieres his very own segment, Toots Time, where he'll be celebrating Conan's return to Marvel Comics. But before we start tearing horns at a giant cyclopean monsters, Joe, we better talk about this week's nerd news. Nerd news? Nerd news. There you go. (laughs) Travis, Griffin, Justin, and Clint McElroy, better known to fans of their podcasts, My Brother, My Brother and Me, and The Adventure Zone as The McElroy Family, have announced that they will write War of the Realms Journey into Mystery, a five-part War of the Realms tie-in with art by Andre Lima Araujo. Awesome. He's really good. And covers from Valerio Skidi, also awesome. Also very good. Here is how the series is described. War of the Realms Journey into Mystery takes you to a world where Earth is at war, besieged by an army of frost giants, trolls, and fire goblins, and the the mighty... Worst kind! I know. (laughs) And the mighty Thor is nowhere to be found. When it turns out that the key to stopping the war might be Thor's baby sister... Huh? What? What? Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, Wonder Man! Yes! (laughs) Sebastian Druid... Death Locket, awesome. Time out. Who's Sebastian Druid? Uh, Sebastian Druid is the son of Doctor Druid from Secret Warriors, from Justin uh, Jonathan Hickman's Secret Warriors. Oh my god, I totally forgot about yeah. that dude. And Death Locket is this little girl Death that got Locket. turned into a Death Locket yeah. in Avengers Arena. She was awesome. Uh, Thorry the Hellhound and Balder the Brave. Who? I'm Why not, not? I'm not caught up on Thor, but last time I checked, he was Deed. Must go on an epic quest to save Earth's only hope. And yes, deal with diaper duty. Baldar's back. Mm. They went to uh, hell. They went to hell and got him. They went to hell and got him. Yeah, they fetched him. Uh, of course, it is unclear who Thor's baby sister is. It's not Angela? Uh, so... Is Angela a baby sister? No, no, no. This is like Which, a baby. Angela was like a twin, wasn't she? No, not a twin. Oh, no, no, no. Different mom. Her yeah, mom like was Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Angela's Jesus. mom is Jesus. Yeah, that's why she's an angel. <laughs> yeah, Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> that's how that works. Yeah, right, right exactly. Right. <laughs> Odin uh, and Jesus got it on. Yeah, yeah. Well, Boom. Immaculate Conception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Babe, I mean, no, it happens no, no, all no. the time in Christian mythology. Not, not with Odin, it doesn't, man. That's not how he mm, do. No way. He likes to throw down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. War of the Realms Journey into Mystery number one is due out April 10th. I am so excited about this. I am a huge fan of the Macro. This family. is like the wackiest team I could think of since. Uh, Very peculiar. Yeah. What was that team with like Howard the Duck and Boom Boom and Archie and. Uh, what? And uh, Leech. <laughs> And um, Cannonball was there, and Warlock. What was that called? Oh, oh you mean Artie? Okay, you said Archie, and I thought you were. I'm sorry, a joke. Artie and Leech. Fallen Angels. Fallen Angels. Weird. That was the weirdest. Before this, yeah. weirdest team there ever. There was the dude with the two psychic lobsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was great. Yeah, and the Vanisher. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. why not? Really, well, sometimes you gotta vanish. Uh, yeah, I love the McElroy family. They're phenomenal storytellers. Matt didn't love the graphic novel adaptation, but if you listen to their podcasts... I like the podcast a lot. It just didn't They work. are so good yeah. at storytelling. And, I needed that timing. And uh, Clint, their dad, has actually written comics in the past. He wrote some stuff in the 80s and 90s. Uh, I'm very excited about this. Yeah. I think everything so far, War of the Realms, is coming up kick-ass. I just, like, War of the Realms, I have a... F- I don't know how to picture it. Like, is it the big Marvel event... I guess. Or is it just like a Thor kind of centric thing? I think this is a huge, gigantic Marvel event that's touching all manner of shit. Mm. It's the original sin of 2019. We reported on that, and we were like, didn't we just get away from this? And you were like, yeah, six years ago. Yes, it was many (laughs) years ago when Marvel said they were done. They were taking a break from big events. Moving right along. Brian Michael Bendis, he's no longer BM Bendis now that he's moved to DC. We'll give him another chance. Yeah. He's posted a series of 10 images teasing DC comic stories he's working on in 2019. Among these images is a shot of Batman Beyond, an extreme close-up of the Legion of Superheroes logo, because who else would you want to bring back Legion of Superheroes? 
some panels from Jack Kirby's Fourth World stories, and more. Here's the full list of teaser images. Joe Patrick will be providing instant reactions. Batman Beyond. Mm, okay. Wonder Woman. Oh, sure. Yeah. Commandy. Whatever. No, I think it's awesome. Okay. Rose and Thorn. Weird. Don't care. Okay. Batman. Duh. Yeah. OMAC. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Legion of Superheroes. Uh, <laughs> Wildfire. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's in the Legion. That's who that Wildfire is? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. An unknown character holding what appears to be a pen that shoots bullets. Yeah, people were like, who is this character? And like, they saw the pen and they immediately- they pen immediately shoots bullets. Yeah, so it's a drawing by Ivan Rice. Right. And it's a character like holding a pen. And people were like, is this like a, a Johnny Thunder, JJ yeah, Thunder yeah. thing? Because they had the genie in yeah, the pen. Yeah, he had the pen. But if you look at it, the pen is like ejecting a bullet casing. What? So it's like maybe a spy gadget. Okay. This is probably like a Jinx World book, like not related to- Okay. Yeah. Jonathan Kent, Superboy. Well, yeah, I mean, he's already working on that. Yeah, okay. No official announcements yet, and there's no way of knowing if these will be full series, if the characters will just be appearing in Bendis' existing titles, or if Bendis himself is going to split into several people and write all of these projects rather than curating them as he is in some of the Wonder Comics titles. Let the speculation again. Joey Patrick. How much do you need a Bendis Legion book? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really want a Bendis Legion book. I'm going to go on record as saying I think Bendis might be the only one that can do it right at this no, point. No, like there was there was a lot of rumors going around that on. like Jim Lee was courting Jonathan Hickman to come to DC and write this crazy sci-fi Legion. That would book. piss you off. That would no, piss it would you not. Off. I, I would, would love a Jonathan Hickman Legion of Superheroes. It would piss you off. I don't. I don't want to. I don't think I want a Brian Michael Bendis Legion book where everybody sounds like a Brian Michael Bendis character. Now, okay, that's you not said that about Legion Superman too. He's yeah, not but doing that's that a there. one guy. That's not a team book. But that's a guy. I'm just saying, it's one guy, but the whole cast has a different voice. They all sound great. He's doing a great job man. with it. I just don't know. I don't need Bendis writing every book. Like if he was, I don't like, need writing every book. If either. he was, cur- if it was like a Wonder Comics thing where he's kind of like overseeing the line, like right. in a Young Animal Gerard Way kind of sure. way. Like, fine, bring in somebody, bring in some big-name talent. Like, Bendis is the guy that knows all the people. Right. Bring in some big-name talent. Yeah, I'm all for it. But And I want a Legion revival, big time. I know you do. I just don't know about that one. I think it could kick ass. I don't ass. know about that one. I think he could be really good on it. I don't, the thing is, is I don't think half of these are actual no, I mean, individual projects. No, I think, like... Shit that's going to be in yeah, Superman. Yeah, like, maybe or, Rosenthorn come back into Action Comics or whatever. Or he introduces them and then somebody takes it and runs Yeah, it yeah, exactly right, know. yeah. So, I don't know. Like, I think it's a foregone conclusion that they gave him a Batman book. Yeah. He's already writing it in the Walmart exclusive whatever. Right, right. So, just launch a new title. I'm more curious you about won't this be pen able to resist. bullets, man. I mean, I need, <laughs> tell me more about this pen! <laughs> Moving on, the CW has ordered a pilot based on Ruby Rose's Batwoman, who made her debut as part of the network's recent Elseworlds DC TV crossover, and she was awesome. Isn't this old news though? I thought this was already no. Done it was and all happening. like it was all like she's gonna be in it, and if she's popular oh, it just, and if it works out well, it. then we're gonna see where it goes. Yeah, okay. like there was no official anything. I thought this was full on already done. No, no. Okay. So based on the success of this crossover and her performance and and fan reaction, the CW has said yes. Give is, us more Batman. Is she in an else world, or is she in the same world as Arrow and <sighs> Supergirl and? And Flash. Or is Supergirl in the same world as them? No. She is in an else world. Supergirl is on an alternate Earth. Okay. Uh, if you recall, she started out on a different network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, She's on an alternate world called NBC. <laughs> she was or on was CBS. It? It CBS. CBS, that's right. Uh, yeah, so... Planet mm, CBS. Planet CBS, right. Yeah. So I believe that... Not in... as Jewish as Planet NBC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, if I recall correctly, in the crossover, they visited the Gotham City of the Arrow universe. So, the main Arrow universe. Okay. So, that means that that universe has a Batman, but not a Superman. So, Batwoman. Weird. Where is she? Uh, she was in Gotham City. She's in Elsa's world, though. No, she was in the... They they visited the Gotham City of... Okay. Of so, the main so Arrowverse. she's in the world with Arrow... And the Flash. And Flash. Got yeah. it. All right. And then Supergirl was visiting. Like, Supergirl knew who Batman was. She knew who... Like, her world had a Batman as well. Got it. Um, and she's like, oh, yeah, this is nothing like my world, my Batman, my Superman and Batman are friends, blah, blah, blah. It's yeah. a whole thing. Gotcha. Uh, so I'm very excited about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was so good in the crossover. She looks great in the costume. Yeah. Uh, the pilot will be directed by David Nutter, who directed the pilot of The Flash, uh, with a script from Carolyn Dries, Dries, who I don't know who that is. Creator of the Nutter Butter. 
I don't know if you knew that. I David Nutter, creator yeah. of the Nutter Bar. Creator of the Nutter I Bar. didn't know that. That's true. Uh, of course, if the pilot leads to a series, which I can't imagine it won't, Ruby Rose's Batwoman would be the first gay lead superhero on a CW show. Then we can all fight about whether she's too gay or not gay enough. Oh, gay or right? Gay yeah. or all the way up. The right argue the argument right now is not gay enough. She's bi. Not gay enough. I'm like, how do you think she's bi? They, I don't think they even mentioned it really. Also, like, she the is bisexual, and there was ba- no, not the character. The actress is oh, bisexual. Well, okay, but whatever. And there was like this backlash that she's not gay enough. I'm like, you got to shut up. You got to yeah. shut up. <laughs> we got to get on the same fucking team. Because yeah. when they divide us like this, this is how fucking Trump gets elected. Okay. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I think this is very exciting news. And as a side note, uh, the previously announced Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover oh God. for 2019, I think that will finally see all of the shows so merged into one universe. after they clap all the planets together and everything goes fucking insane, what do they do after that? Where do these scripts go? I don't know. We've skipped right past, like, I'm busting crime in my neighborhood to Crisis on Infinite fucking Earth. No, they bust crime every... The, the cosmic God. stuff only happens once a year. They bust crime every week. <laughs> once a year. Okay. That is your nerd news for the week, but I'm sure we've already missed plenty of New Year's news while defending our own gay lifestyle online. It's true. Hey, I don't have nothing to defend. Yeah, that's right. So hit us up. We are not gay enough, you assholes. <laughs> so hit us up on the THN Forum's <laughs> big news section, or better yet, tune in to Cover to Cover Live every Saturday where we broadcast on our Facebook page from 1130 to 1230 Central Standard Time. It's like sports talk for nerds, and you control the content, so call us at 402 819 4894 or click the call now button on our Facebook page. If you can't be there live, leave a message or you can send an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. You have no excuse. None. Zero excuses. It is review time in the Ziggurat, and this week we're reviewing two of 2019's freshest comic book offerings. Freaky fresh. Joe Patrick, start the new year off right and tell these nerds what you read. Oh, boy. Okay. I got a lot of feelings about this. I do, too. I'm reviewing Young Justice, number one from DC Comics, written by Brian Michael Bendis, with art by Patrick Gleason, colors by Alejandro Sanchez. It's 40 pages for $4.99. Here's your solicit. Superboy. No, sorry. I had a whole thing. Here's your solicit. <laughs> Superboy, Wonder Girl, Robin, Impulse, Amethyst. I can't sustain it's that. Plural, yeah, Amethyst. Meanwhile, they're all united in Young Justice number one, the debut issue of a brand new series that also introduces new heroes, Teen Lantern. Sort of. Yeah, and Ginny Hex, who also did not appear for the first time in this issue. She appeared in one of the Walmart comics for the first time. Did she? Yes, yeah, she did. Oh, okay. When the nightmare dimension known as Gemworld invades Metropolis, these teen heroes reunite to deal with the situation, but they're shocked to discover the battle may be the key to the return of Connor Kent, a.k.a. Superboy. With a beard. Stuff. Let's be fair. (laughs) This mix of fan favorites and new legacy heroes will be the center point for some of the biggest goings-on at DC. And as if that weren't enough, Bendis reunites with all-star artist Patrick Gleason. I love him so much. To bring the new heroes of DC's Wonder Comics to life. Although, that son of a bitch. My wife contacted Patrick Gleason and said, my husband's a huge fan. He wants you to draw him Kilowog because yeah. Kilowog's his favorite Green Lantern. Patrick Gleason's like, Kilowog's my favorite. I would love to draw him one. I'll get right on it. Six months go by. Nothing. So you never got it? No, nope, but he sent, the, he sent her the money back. And he was oh, like, wow. I'm sorry. I was busy. It, you know. You fucking owe me. You I fucking mean, he, owe me. He doesn't. He yeah, sent the money back. No, Gleason. <laughs> you owe me. I want a piece of you. I am a huge fan of Young Justice. Specifically, the legacy heroes, Tim Drake. Connor Kent, Bart Allen, and Cassie Sandsmark. When our friend Big Mike passed away, even though I had already given up collecting comics, the two things I inherited from him were a run of Starman and a run of Peter David's Young Justice. So believe me when I say that I have a lot of emotional investment in this unexpected revival, especially considering that half of these characters had been wiped from DC continuity over the past few years. Yeah, they got some splaining to do. A lot. Unfortunately, and also as expected, Bendis doesn't give us any answers in this first issue. He barely even hints that there's a mystery to be solved. (laughs) What he does do is immediately reestablish the relationship between the core team as though they had never gone away. These characters are friends, first and foremost, and Bendis establishes their personalities right off the bat. Tim's confidence and leadership, Cassie's mysterious reluctance, and Bart's 
Impulsiveness. Yep. That's look, look. It's not. A, I didn't mean that to be a pun. Impulsitude. Impulsitude. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're also introduced to a pair of new characters, Ginny Hex, who I love. Yeah, her power is she has a gun. Yeah, a gun with <laughs> real bullets. And the mysterious Teen Lantern, who for some reason we only see shrouded in ring constructs, though she's front and center on a couple of the covers. Yeah, I didn't get it. Like, she's on the main cover and a variant. Yeah, as soon as I read it, I, like, hit you up, and I was like, hey, is Teen Lantern in this book? And you were like, I think we just saw her con. I was like, all right, I just want to yeah. make sure I didn't she's miss in the tank. it. She's in the tank thing. <laughs> I think it's pretty fun that they're using this first arc to reestablish Amethyst and bring her to the team, but honestly, I would have been happy with almost any catalyst to get this group together. Your typical Bendis dialogue complaints apply, and your mileage is going to vary on that. Characters talk in awkward stops and starts. Terrifying gem world assassins make real-world-sounding wisecracks, etc., etc. And there's a lot here that, as much as I love it, doesn't make sense yet. Bendis won't shut up about how this book is in all caps in continuity. But yeah, I, I saw him post about it today. Yeah, yeah. But That's I don't. Okay. Yeah, you but I don't fix it. I get it. I just don't know how that can be with the current vague state of DC history. According to this book, Young Justice existed previously. Yep. But that flies in the face of a lot of things established since the New Fifty Two, and it relies on the restoration of things from the past that we haven't seen yet. This impulse emerged from the Speed Force not long ago, similar to Wally West. Obviously, remembering things that no longer happened. Did the version of Connor Kent that I remember ever exist in this timeline? Why is Tim calling himself Robin instead of Red Robin? I read online, a guy said, My theory, and I hope it's true, is that he just got tired of explaining that he was not Robin, that he was Red Robin, because people didn't have time to look at how many R's were on his chest. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, yeah, I'm Robin. Maybe he got sued by the burger chain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I need things to be explained, and I need to know how it all fits, and I need it pretty quick. The art by Patrick Gleason and Alejandro Sanchez is truly remarkable. Gleason pushes himself more and more with each project, and he tailors his style to fit the tone. On Action Comics, he delivered a solid, stocky, Golden Age-style Superman, noble and heroic. Here, his pages explode with a youthful energy. Panels appear on the page in all shapes and configurations, amping up the chaos of the Gemworld invasion. Robin's skill and speed is conveyed in a tight grid of close-ups. Impulse almost literally bursts from each page, running in and out of the panel gutters as he saves bystanders and stray animals. Yeah, they, he did such a great job with the impulse panels. Mm -hmm. He was just nut, he was upside down. He yeah. was flipping around. Yeah. <laughs> each page is so packed with action that it would be almost impossible to decipher without Sanchez's excellent color work. I know this for a fact because I saw a black and white version that they showed to retailers a few weeks ago. It was only half inked, yeah, and it had no color, and it was when it got to the battle, it was impossible to follow. Yeah, that's the shit where it's like people make fun of inkers, like they're not artists and stuff. How do you go in and ink that? Right. How do you go in and right. and then add the color to this to make everything stand right. and out? And so Gleason, man, Gleason inks his own work, and so the pencils. Are I would think so he has to loose. I would think he has to ink his own stuff. Uh, another fun thing from the black and white preview is that in that scene where Impulse shows up. And he's like, call Superman, call whoever, call Harry Potter. Yeah. In the preview, it had the actual Harry Potter logo. And I'm sure some lawyer was like, <laughs> like no, sir. Fuck no. Because <laughs> in the finished version, it's just like generic, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Now, some are going to see that as a negative, that Gleason's art can't stand on its own. But he and Sanchez work as one yeah. to deliver some really stunning visuals. I'm putting a lot of faith in Brian Michael Bendis to reestablish a group of characters that mean a lot to me, and I hope I don't regret it. He obviously has a lot of affection for these characters and this group, and he seems to be having a great time writing them. Couple that with Gleason's phenomenal art, and Young Justice Number 1 becomes a book that radiates fun and excitement. It's a huge buy it. Yeah, I'm not worried at all. I don't know why you're so worried. I I'm am not, not worried. I'm not worried. I'm anxious. Like, I okay, want to know. I want to know. That's where Bendis wants you. Yeah. That's exactly where he wants you. And sure. that's why he wrote this book He like got this. me. It was a huge hook. Just grab you. Hold on. This is going to be totally nuts. These characters are insane. Some of them have no business even being alive. Here we go. Yeah, I don't even know. And that, like, the solicit sold itself when you were just like, Connor Kent. Tim Drake, you know, yeah. <laughs> like whipping these characters on impulse. We're all like, what the 
the hell? You know, right. it's brilliant. And I think it's going to be a ton of fun. This book was just a blast to read. It was youthful. It was nuts. It was funny. It was the art was incredible. I'm giving this a huge buy it as well. I'm going to talk about another group of kids at Marvel later on that I wish was this much fun to read. Yeah. All right, Matt. I forgot what... Oh, yes. Uh, Speaking of feel-good reading. Yeah, right. You know what? I was riding high after reading Young Justice, and then I read your book. Tell us a little bit about Criminal, number one. Criminal, number one, comes from Image. It's written by Ed Brubaker with art by Sean Phillips, and Sean Phillips literally does everything. All no, the his son does the coloring. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. 48 pages. It's three ninety nine. Here's your They solicit. kicked those comics gate bitches to the curb. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Series premiere of the return of the most acclaimed crime comic of the 21st century! Hot off the best-selling series, Killer Be Killed! And their original graphic novel, My Heroes Have Always Been Junkies! Crime comic masters, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips finally return to their most demanded title as a new monthly series! In this double-sized, at-no-additional-cost debut issue, Teague Lawless is back in town, but he finds himself in more trouble than ever thanks to his delinquent teenage son. And this time, fists and bullets may not be enough to solve his problem. Oh, noes. A perfect introduction to Criminal and its dark, exciting world. This series will also include back-page art and articles to bring readers more fully into the noir experience. It has been a few years, but Ed Brubaker's feel-bad crime noir epic returns as a monthly series, something Brubaker has not done since he's left Captain America in 2011. Well, I mean, the fade-out was a monthly series. Was it? Yep. Yeah, I guess it was. It was just short. It just it, they, it, was a, it had a finite run. Yeah, they did their mm-hmm. thing and they stopped. As always, and in true pulp crime novel fashion, Brubaker's story jumps around before settling on a main character. And like his other criminal stories, this one is a real piece of work. <laughs> Teague Lawless, great name by the way, is a loser and a father of a kid that's following in his loser footsteps. Teague is drunk, a bastard, and a thief that used to run jobs with his friend Arvin who recently died of a heart attack and just so happened to be working on a score that might save Teague's life. As good as Brubaker's mean and violent script is to read, this book is nothing without the masterful, washed-out, painted art of Sean Phillips. Phillips is so good at creating feeling with his dark palette and his huge sense of contrasting colors. He's not afraid to use purple and orange with flecks of red blood to bring out the desperation of a character in a bad situation. Once again, credit to the son, yes. John Phillips. <laughs> And I'm not talking about a superhero book either. This is real-world crime. The two creators together seem to be reading each other's minds at this point and operating as one storyteller. They've been doing this for a long time, and no one is doing crime comics this good. Mm-hmm. This first issue of Criminal is a steal at $3.99 for the Get page it. count. Steal. That's not what I was doing. <laughs> Shut up. Waka waka. And I couldn't be happier to have this book back. If you're looking for a comic story about losers from another time, desperately seeking that next score that will probably end up in a beautiful death scene, you cannot go wrong with Criminal. I'm giving this a massive buy it. Yeah, it was great. Uh, Teague Lawless is uh, is a recurring character yeah. in Criminal. He's been uh, around. He's been the star of at least one other uh, arc, maybe more. He's popped up um, here and there, too. His bro- uh, his son, Criminal is a series that jumps around in time. Yes. So uh, I believe the second volume of Criminal was about his grown son coming home from the military. Correct. Uh, yeah, so uh, it's it's... The um, the piece in the back where he kind of describes the trajectory of the series uh, kind of talks about how when they started Criminal, they didn't really know exactly. Uh, they knew that they were going to uh, do like kind of anthology style. Right. But by the third or fourth volume, they were like, oh, this is kind of about the lawless family. Well, and they also, I think he's sort of studying like the seed of criminality and like how it happens and how it's passed through the family and how you end up this piece of shit, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't really have much more to add to it. I really enjoyed it. And and nobody tells a story like this, like Ed Brubaker. No, no. And I can't imagine anybody doing it with him other than Sean Phillips. Absolutely. It's a huge ride for me as well. So that is a double buy it for Young Justice number one and a double buy it for Criminal number one. We'll post our written reviews over at twoeditnerd.com. And you know that it's true because it's our New Year's resolution. It's true. This year. We're going to get better at that. Of course, we want to hear from you too. So call us, email us, tweet at us, face, 
Burke us, whatever works for you. But we need to know what you thought of these comics. And we want to know what your nerd year resolutions are as well. That's right. Sometimes we do that as a question of the week, but yeah, we I didn't. We didn't this year. Nah. Twenty nineteen is here. We find ourselves a year older, but not much wiser. Which no. I'm guessing is why we're tumbling out of control through space and time in the THN TARDIS. Stately Lord Fungus sent us for Xmas. Turns out all the directions were in British, so we may have missed some of the driving oh, tips. And I only speak American. I know. That's not going to stop us from reviewing eight more of this year's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round! Ludicrous Speed! Go! Heroes in Crisis, number four from DC. How did this book go so wrong so fast? You hated the first issue. What I didn't hate it. Heroes in Crisis on paper started with the promise of reflection on the personal cost of these heroes' actions. It was supposed to say something about the trauma they suffer and about the toll on their mental health. Instead, we get scenes of Harley hovering over dead bodies with a bloody hammer and Flash and Batman doing a pretty bad job investigating things that happened off-panel three issues ago. Even super fan service moments like Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. Ted Cord? By the way, when did that happen? I don't Getting back together are marred by the likelihood that Booster probably went crazy and murdered a bunch of I people. I think he did. I think there's something psychological going on. And Clay Man, whose art I admit is incredible, really misreads the room by sexing up a bunch of characters, especially Barbara Gordon, as she shows the scars from the bullet wounds she suffered in the killing joke. The title of Heroes in Crisis number four is dollar sign, percent sign, at sign, dollar sign. That's a Growlix. Mm-hmm. Uh, so blank this, and nothing could be quite so apt. Fuck this comic, <laughs> and it's needless, relentless cruelty to beloved characters. I'm giving it a leave. I it. think it's a psychological thing. I don't give I a think shit. It's like a funny game. It was. It was going to be a seven issue. I know. They, it was going to be a seven issue story. They expanded it to nine. We're halfway through, and this is what we're still getting. Fuck it. Just wait. No. Turok number one from Dynamite. The Native American dinosaur hunter makes his fifth. Maybe sixth return at Dynamite, along with writer Ron Mars. He does a good enough job on the script, but trying to tell another Turok origin might be a mistake here. We get Turok in the Old West, with dinos coming through a time portal and some truly weird art by Roberto Castro. I really want to love this character, but it might be time to return the character to the Valiant universe, where someone could breathe some life back into this franchise giving it a skim it. Just why do they keep I know. reviving these gold key characters when the only time anyone has cared about them other than the 60s. Was that Valiant? Was that Valiant? Yep. Wolverine, The Long Night, number one from Marvel. We made fun of the Wolverine audio drama that Marvel released last year, but we heard from several people that reported that it's actually pretty great. I listened to the whole thing. I loved it. Now, the podcast is being adapted into comic form by writer Benjamin Percy and artist Marcio Takara. The hype is real. One chapter in, and I am riveted by this tense murder mystery where Wolverine is more of a monster lurking in the shadows than an actual character. Takara's art is stellar, but huge props to Percy, who took something that was, by necessity, all talking heads, and turned it into a really captivating read. I'm giving Wolverine the Long Night number one a huge buy it. It follows that podcast almost perfectly. It's great. It's great. Atomic Robo, Dawn of a New Era, number one from IDW. As much as I love Hellboy for his occult adventures, I equally love Atomic Robo for his science adventures. Yes. Writer Brian Clevenger has been cranking out kick-ass Atomic Robo stories for 10 years now. And this new series introduces the son of Robo. This is more wonderful super science storytelling with genuine heart and humor. I love Atomic Robo. You should too. Buy it. The solicit was like, nothing important happens here. Just the science gang doing normal science stuff. I don't know why you'd even read. Oh, and Atomic Robo has a baby. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Avengers 12 from Marvel. I was going to use this time to talk about the painfully mediocre and unnecessary Man Without Fear number one, but instead, please let me tell you how much I love this issue of the Avengers. Man Without Fear number one sucked. It did. (laughs) Leave it. The team is more powerful than it has ever been. They live in the hollowed out body of a celestial, so obviously they need a competent support team to back them up. Enter the agents of Wakanda, Gorilla Man, the Wasp, 
Okoye, Kazar, and a bunch more so surprising and wonderful that I demand they get a spinoff series immediately. I tweeted it at Jason Aaron. He liked it, so it's going to happen. Oh, I'm sure. I loved this idea from writer Jason Aaron. Great art from Ed McGinnis and Corey Smith. Avengers number 12 gets a huge buy it. Did you read it? No, not yet. I've, oh, I've lost all but lost interest. Oh, no. The last couple issues have been great. Really? Yes. McGinnis dialing it down a little bit? Uh, you know. He's still drawing She-Hulk like she's a bear woman? Well, that wasn't his idea. That's previous yeah. stuff. Yeah. Champions number one from Marvel. Jim Zub returns to this new massive Champions lineup featuring a number of young characters I've never heard of. But I did fall off the last series early. Here, Zub has Miss Marvel leading the team and doing a hell of a job. The story was fun. It establishes the champions as a real team instead of the usual bumbling team of lovable idiot kids. This was a great return for the champions. It featured the feeling of what I missed about young, a book like Young Avengers. I'm curious to see where it goes next. It was not as fun I mean, as what we got in Young Justice. It strikes a different tone. It it's, definitely it's strikes a different of a, tone. It's kind of a Legion of Superheroes-esque global it diverse is response team is not just like a bunch of friends hanging out. Right. I just need to know where they got like the vehicles and the headquarters and shit. Like, I don't know where they got. Well, I mean, nothing. I'm not saying that's that. a problem with the story. Thanks for that. Giving it a bye. I liked it too. Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number one from Marvel. After building a name for himself on books like All New Wolverine and X-Men Red, I am thrilled to see Tom Taylor get a chance at an ongoing Spidey title. Taylor does an excellent job delivering the book's mission statement, just as it says in the title. This book is all about Spider-Man and Peter Parker's strong connection to the neighborhood where he lives. More than that, it's about how those people view him. Taylor nails Spidey's personality, and artist Juan Cabal does a great job capturing the essence of the character. There's also a pretty important backup that could have huge ramifications for one of Spider-Man's most important supporting cast members. After one issue, I care more about what happens in Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man than anything Nick Spencer is doing in the main book. Buy it. Captain Marvel number one from Marvel. Kelly Thompson takes over on this new Captain Marvel series that brings Carol back down to Earth, reunites her with her best friend Spider-Woman, and her main squeeze, James Rose. Yeah, I love that couple. Thompson's script was fantastic. It was funny, emotional, and just all around great. Carmen Canero isn't a name I recognize, but she kicks ass on some huge slam-bang superhero art here that reminded me of what I used to love about Carlos Pacheco's style. I'm glad Carol is back on the Avengers squad, back on Earth, and has a kick-ass creative team. I enjoyed the last one. It was fun seeing Alpha Flight running around, but you don't need to do that with Carol. This is where she belongs. I'm giving it a bite. The uh, Kelly Thompson wrote The Life of Captain Marvel, mm -hmm. which was the series that bridged. It was wonderful. And it was great. It was wonderful. And that book was drawn by Carlos Pacheco. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Blarf! That is your ludicrous speed round, and Blarf is the sound of the Hulk tossing his cookies after partying too damn hard on New Year's Eve, as seen in Avengers number one and one half from 1999. It was Drawn a, by Bruce Tim. It was a whole thing they used to do back then. Oh, the, yeah. This onomatopoeia of the week was submitted by Ethan Harrison via the THN fan page on the Faces book. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, you can puke it all over us, or... Just send it to any of our social media and shoot us an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. We don't need anybody else throwing up on us, okay? We no. do enough of that shit. No. With the beginning of the new year, Matt and I like to clean out the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, giving all the runes a good scrubbing and dusting all the tomes. But, of course, you have to be careful when cleaning this many magic items. One wrong rub, and you've got a gin talking your ear off for days just begging you to make the wrong wish. I got some bad wishes. I yeah, you do. Too. Speaking of wishes, Matt, what do you wish to choose as your must-read pick for next week? My pick for next week is Hawkman number eight. I almost picked it. From DC Comics, it's written by Robert Van Diddy with art by Brian Hitch. 32 pages. It is $3.99. Here is your solicit. Next stop, Krypton. As Hawkman's intergalactic road trip continues, the next location on his itinerary is the ruins of Krypton, the alleged location of the super weapon that will help him stop the Deathbringers. There, he's suddenly whisked away to Krypton's final moments, meets his past life predecessor, Katar All. Hawkman tries to learn the final fate of the super weapon, but planet goes boom before Carter can get the goods. Looks like it might be time for plan B. I'm telling you right now, Hawkman is the best solo 
series superhero it's comic definitely book on the, on the stands. It's definitely near the it's top of the list. so goddamn good. Let me ask you a question. Do you Did you ever consider, did you ever like think of Krypton as having ruins? Like it was a, I always thought that if you went to what the place where Krypton was, it yeah. would just be empty space. I mean, there's there's still probably like some rocks and shit. Like I think all the rock, like I always thought that all the rocks got exploded out into the galaxy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like you know, there's probably some stuff hanging around. I don't know. It's just a fun idea. Yeah, kind of different. I haven't blown up a lot of planets, so yeah. I mean, I'm there no, was just that one. <laughs> I'm no expert, and that was weird. You know. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was a whole thing with an X. Yeah, it. it didn't yeah. work so well. Yeah, it's Joe, what's your pick for next week? Uh, my pick for next week is Marvel Comics presents number one from Marvel Comics. Oh, yeah. Shockingly enough. Written by Charles Soule and Various, with art by Paolo Sequeira and Various. I'm 50 50 on both of those guys. Yeah, me too. It's (laughs) question mark pages for $4.99. It was not listed. Here's your solicit The classic Marvel series returns for Marvel's 80th anniversary. Three Titanic tales celebrating the first decade of Marvel stories. First, an all new tale of the man they call the Wolverine begins in the 1940s. Then comes Captain America, the first Avenger of World War II still fighting for freedom today. And finally, the untold tale of Namor and the atom bomb. I want this to be good. I want this to be really good. I loved Marvel Comics Presents back in the day. I did too, and that's why I picked it. Because I am not at all super eager about anything new Charles Soule. No. Like, I'm sure he's a fine gentleman. He has written books that I have kind of liked, yeah. but most of the stuff that he's done lately, I've been lukewarm See, and on. And this would be like the really cool place to go get huge name creators to do short shit. Like, I don't know how else go you get, get Neil... an anthology like this to succeed. Right, go get Neil Gaiman to do one of these stories. Yeah. Go get, you know, like crazy people right. to do, like, I can't believe they got that guy to yeah, write yeah. anymore, you know? I just, I want it to be good because I also like... Marvel Comics presents a great deal back in the nineties. Yeah. Super fun. I'm hoping this a lot is great. of weird bonkers crap, like a ton of Sam Keith work, drawing like cable and Ghost Rider and Wolverine. So cool. Man. The THN trade of the week goes to Hobo Mom. Yeah. A hardcover from Fanographics. I bet it's I bet it's totally awesome. Written and illustrated by Chuck Forsman and Max DeRadigs. Radigues. He's French. 64 pages for $14.99. That's crazy cheap. I mean, yeah, 64 pages. Here's your solicit. Hobo Mom was collaborated on and drawn simultaneously by two cartoonists across the Atlantic. Charles Forsman, author of The End of the Fucking World, now a hit Netflix series. It is? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, they did. And Max de Radigues. Radigues. I don't know. Winner of Prestige I think it's Prize. Mad- I think it's Radigay. 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 Winner of the prestigious prize at uh, the Angoulême International it's Festival a- du Commerce. Angoulême. For his 2018 graphic novel, Look, we are really bastard. We're not that bad. Both their clean lines fit together perfectly to tell the sober and intimate story about an emotionally damaged family and the price of freedom. Tom lives a simple life as a single father of a preteen daughter, Sissy. But their estranged wife and mother has chosen a much different path. Natasha hops trains and has become a vagrant since leaving her family a few years earlier. After a dangerous encounter riding the rails, Natasha chooses to show up on the doorstep of the family she abandoned and finds an upset husband, although still deeply in love, and a little girl yearning for a mother. Can someone who covets independence settle down? Forceman and Dredge Hobo Mom explores the ideas being trapped of being trapped in domesticity and whether one deserves happiness even at the cost of others. Okay, so damn, I know it's heavy stuff. <laughs> So when I saw the title, six feet under look like Sesame Street. Dude. When I saw the title <laughs> Hobo Mom, I thought it was going to be something like Teen Dog or Sex Castle. <laughs> no, I was like, oh no, that's not what this is no, at all. No, it's but about a hobo mom. Chuck Forsman, you're really, really talented, super talented, and I love this idea. So I don't know how this, I don't know what this means. Like they both kind of came up with a story. And then simultaneously, they drew their interpretations of it, think, or they drew separate chapters worked, of it. I think they just worked together and shot each other's shit. I don't know. I think it's a great idea, like the collaborating across oceans, uh, Chuck Forsman. But I like the idea they both simultaneously came up with the idea, and instead of suing each other, they were like, we will work on it together! Yeah, together! <laughs> <laughs> so there you have our picks for Wednesday, January 16th. Jesus, already? I know. But we want to know what you nerds are reading, too. So rub your enchanted lamp and have your enslaved gin. Tell us what you plan on reading next week or hit us up on any of our social networking platforms. But don't forget to make sure that all your picks are added to your poll file. It's an easy way to make your comic shop owner's wishes come true. 
Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. Conan the Barbarian returned to Marvel Comics after an almost 18-year hiatus. And there's only one nerd we know qualified to cover such a return. Ladies and gentle nerds, it's Toots time. Well, the Hyborian Age is upon us. It has landed back at Marvel Comics. Tell you the truth, I've had uh, some mixed feelings about the whole thing. And uh, Matt and Joe contacted me down here in the depths of the ziggurat where I've been trying to find out how those two Englishmen breached this thing. And I'm trying to put up, put up a bunch of runic seals and uh, portal guards and things like that so we don't have that sort of breach again. Now the boys contacted me said, hey, we want your thoughts on all this Conan stuff. So here I am. To give them. Now, Jason Aaron's story in this first issue is good. I'm excited for this story. I feel like it's going to be very epic. Now, granted, if you have read a whole lot of Marvel's Conan, let alone Conan and comics altogether, so far, these are the sands that you have trod before. There's really nothing very new or original. But... It is well told. I really enjoy this enemy. He's the, the main bad guy, as it were. I like that Aaron gave us a glimpse of Conan in three stages of his life, which is very reminiscent of his Thor's run initially. But I can forgive that. The reveal of the enemy, the bad guy, was also a nod to the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, but I liked it. Sorry, guys, my thoughts are kind of all over the place because I'm doing this unscripted. I'm swinging from the hip with my broadsword and just giving it to you straight out of my brain, which is going to be a total mess, I'm sure. Now, there's also, you know, a little bit of prose in the back. They're going to be giving us this uh, story in about, like, 12 parts. It breaches a couple novels that are coming out from uh, this publisher called uh, Perilous Worlds, I don't read that stuff. When it comes to the novels, I'm very Howard-focused. You know, that's kind of like, hey, I'm reading these Lord of the Rings books, but Tolkien didn't write them. Or, hey, uh, this is Game of the Thrones world, but uh, Martin didn't write them. Like, you know, I got no interest in that. But in other formats, like in comics, bring it on. Now, they've announced two other series... They've announced Age of Conan, which I guess is going to be uh, a bunch of different stories, like shorter series within a longer within the Age of Conan series that focus on different characters from the Hyborian Age and Conan's world. I'm a little surprised at it. I'm super duper interested to see what characters they use because although in the Marvel series there was a lot of reoccurring characters. This is like a start over. You know, we're getting Conan for the first time. Even though the book does have legacy numbering, which I really like. And it helps me place it in my comic book boxes and in my collection. But uh, I kind of thought maybe Aaron would build up some characters before they did something like this. But whatever. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in. And then they're bringing Savage Sword of Conan back, but I am super duper disappointed that they are not embracing the magazine size format. And I really miss that format across the board. Uh, it seems that um, Brubaker and Phillips are the only guys that can really work that format nowadays since uh, DC had their uh, Batman Dong fiasco and canceled that book. Um, but whatever. I hope we see some Conan dongs. All right, so, uh, bring us all on. And then, sticking with the comics, this whole, uh, No Road Home, or whatever it is with the Avengers, and Conan being in the Avengers book, I have no problem with that whatsoever. I actually, 
am really excited and love it. And I think it's because it's the Avengers going to the Hyborian Age, and it's not flipped the other way where Conan goes to the modern world, which they did in like What If, and uh, Dynamite did with Red Sonja. Uh, because the Avengers have done that before, like Avengers Forever, that limited series, um, to you know bring something back really old. You know, the Avengers time travel. They go different dimensions. They go to different worlds and realms. So that's totally fine. I have no problem with it. And if you go way back in the uh, Two-Headed Nerd library, there was Answer of the Week that I posed. Question of the Week. Why do I always say Answer of the Week? Uh, What is your favorite item of power in comics? And mine was the Serpent Crown. Because Roy Thomas tied in the Marvel Universe with the Hyborian Age. The Hyborian Age, if you go look at like a Marvel chronologically, whatever that freaking word is, uh, they start with these Hyborian books and then it goes into the Marvel Universe proper. In Roy Thomas's eyes, that was the early age of the Marvel U. And the Serpent Crown tied both of those together because it appeared in Conan comics, it appeared in Cole comics, and then it popped up in Namor, and then it popped up in the Avengers, and most recently it was uh, in New Avengers. And uh, so it's all there. It's all there. This is, the, the worlds are connected. So have them jump back and forth. That's totally cool with me. Now, I do want to comment on the apparent cancellation of the Amazon Conan series that they were talking about doing, it seems it's been shut down. My hope is that it's because Marvel has the license and maybe they don't want to do anything yet until they see what these books have done, which initially I was super surprised and then again, not super surprised that Marvel was doing multiple Conan themed books They did do the same thing with Star Wars when they got it from Dark Horse. They brought it in and they were like, here's all these books. But Star Wars is a bigger property. Way more so than I think Conan is. So I'm I'm surprised. I just hope it doesn't all flop and it doesn't all suck. To jump back to the Conan comic, the Barbarian book. I like that the logo is reflective of the original logo. It's much cleaner. But I like that it has that flavor. I was a little worried about the artist. But there is a panel early in the book, well, besides the glorious, like, full-page Conan being born and then Conan King. Those are gorgeous full-page illustrations. But there's a panel where... There's an altercation between some characters in the middle of a street. And two of them get pretty wasted. Cut up pretty good. And the next panel shows a character walking away calmly while one is dead on the ground and another one is leaning against the wall holding in his guts that are spilling out while there is a stray cat drinking out of a bowl of, it's like rainwater or whatever it is, and then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in love with it. I'm fine with this. This is going to be pretty fun. I've got some theories about um, some characters that show up in the book, but I don't know how spoilery, 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 I can get. So I guess I'll just shut up about it. I don't know. I babbled for a while. Maybe you got something out of it. Maybe you turned it off. Who knows? Just know that Willy Toots loves you. And I love Conan. That's why I named my kid after him. Toodaloo. Excelsior! Magnificent Gen 513, but before we get out of here, Joe Patrick has an extremely wordy question of the week that he came up all on his own. It's true, I did. This week's question comes from me. I bought up a bunch of old comics on Comixology recently. Thank you, Winter Sales. And I just finished reading the Spider-Man tie-ins for Acts of Vengeance. <laughs> Why? <laughs> you paid money for that. I did. Uh, 
Not only not a Ron Lim with Ron Lim. No, no, no. no, no. Not only was it Acts of Vengeance tie-in, but it was also the Cosmic Spider-Man. Oh man! Uh, So Acts of Vengeance was a line-wide storyline that saw Earth's supervillains swapping enemies in an effort to overwhelm and defeat the heroes. It was a huge story that impacted almost every title, but you didn't have to read a bunch of other books to understand what was going on, and there was no main event miniseries to follow. So here's what I want to know. What is your favorite non-crossover story event or theme, I guess? Okay. Did you love it when demons invaded New York during Inferno? Yes, you just stole mine. Okay, it's fine. (laughs) Or, you know, those years DC did themed annuals. Like, one year they all had ghost stories, or one year they did Elseworlds stories. Jail apes. Jail ape, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm talking far-reaching storylines. Not that, like, necessarily that are still felt today, but, like, every book dealt with it. Or themes where you didn't have to bounce from series to series to enjoy it. You could just read what you read and enjoy a fun thing. And there was no main series to invest in. Makes sense? All right. I think so. All right. The the not crossover crossover. A a non-crossover crossover. Gotcha. If you're new to this show and you never want to hear this crap again, I guarantee it's because you just haven't heard enough. And you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box archive at TwoHeadedNerd.com, the new and improved yeah, yeah, it is. My dad. If you still don't like the show, then you can punch Joe anywhere you would like until you feel better. It's true. Most but of my nerve endings are dead. Know that hosting that many episodes is cheap. So we want to thank donors like... Damon Chan. Like our man, Damon Chan. Our man on the streets. Our man on the street. We have not heard from him for a while. Nobody's out there. I'm afraid. Still I donating. So. I hope he just didn't wander off. No. Like they just haven't turned his bank account I think he yet. liked one of my tweets last week. Okay, good. Damon, <laughs> give us a call, man. Where have you been? Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Black Scorpion number three, who, in accordance with Black Scorpion family tradition, called us on the way to the hospital as his wife was in labor. This dude has had two babies? He's had two babies during his fandom with the show. Black Scorpion number five? We are proud to announce that a beautiful and healthy Black Scorpion number five entered the world on January 1st, 2019. Oh, my God. Mazel tov to the entire Black Scorpion family. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer just might knock your wife up. This is the Two-Headed Nerd. Signing off. First show of the year, 2019. Lived it, learned it, earned it. 